Well, good morning, Mercy Road. How you all doing? Woo! Still trying to recover from all that extra turkey and potatoes. And if you're me, it's pumpkin pie. You all got some rest. Any uh, Black Friday shoppers out here? Anyone? Just a few. Anybody do more than 14 hours? My wife is yet to forgive me. Okay, no. no one. I'm back. Wow, that's impressive. Well, good morning. Welcome to Mercy Road Church. I'm Pastor Jeremy. I'm delighted to be here with you this morning. We say this every single week, but we mean it. We believe that we are called to be a church that is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. And that is including me and that's including you. And so wherever you come this morning, we just want you to know that Jesus's grace is true for you. And we believe that you can experience it this morning in Jesus' name. Would you guys do me a favor? Let's welcome our audience who's joining us online this morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, please hit that share button. You truly don't know how that could change somebody's life. And for you in the room, do the exact same thing. Well, I don't know about you guys, but Thanksgiving, there's often the, you know, you've got turkey, there's like a tradition. You, you've got, for me and my family, Black Friday shopping was a tradition. And this year, because of Amazon, I got to add on to my Black Friday traditions. Football! We got football on Thursday. We got it on, and all the ladies in the room going, yes, we know, Jeremy. We got it on Friday. We did have it yesterday, unfortunately, too. Michigan fans, congratulations. I should say that as an Ohio State football fan. Congratulations, Michigan fans. Um, but this week, this whole weekend is like everything I love. I get family, I get football, I get tons of desserts, amen. Like, I'm not worried about the turkey, I'm worried about all the desserts I get. Um, and then today I get Indianapolis Colts football. And I don't know where you guys are. If you're a Colts fan, Colts fans in the room, I see a few of you wearing, so yeah, we got a few Colts fans. Yeah, the rest of you are all like me. I really don't wanna admit it right in this season, but that's okay. As a Colts fan, I've been in this weird situation for a while, really ever since Andrew Luck left and then specifically now in the last couple of years. I'm really excited this year because you know, Anthony Richardson comes and it's supposed to be a great season and unfortunately he gets injured. And, you know, and the moment that happened, I'm like the worst Colts fan on the planet. As a Colts fan, you're supposed to celebrate when they win, right? I was having a conversation with my best friends two weeks ago, and I was telling him, he's a big Eagles fan, and they don't know how to lose right now, so he doesn't understand my pain. And I was just like, dude, I am so upset with the Colts right now. He goes, you're upset with the Colts? I'm like, yes, they keep winning. I want them to lose, friends. I want the best draft pick. I want Marvin Harrison Jr. Amen? Man, that last service, they were like, who is that? that this, is, this is my group. Marvin Harrison. You may recognize that name back in the day. We need his son to come play for us. Anthony Richardson needs to be able to throw to him. And the Colts keep winning and crashing my dreams. Well, when I was having this conversation with my friend Brian, he just finally looked at me and he goes, do you realize how ridiculous you sound? You're complaining your team is winning. You are discontent with the whole reason for being a fan of the Indianapolis Colts. And that's called winning. And I looked at him and he's like, yes, I am. I was missing this point. I'm like, yes, I am. He goes, you're angry, you're winning. You could still make the playoffs. I go, but Marvin Harrison Jr. I share all that to say because this morning I want to talk about when we get discontent with life. 
And for me, the Indianapolis Colts is one of my sources of discontentment, but I'm sure you have many more. And I know that half of you in the room agreed because you all cheered for Marvin Harrison Jr., which we're not gonna get. Sorry, guys. We keep winning. But this morning, as we continue in our sermon series on making room for all that Jesus has for us, the area we wanna talk about this morning is making room for gratitude. Because when we make room for gratitude in all circumstances, the good, the bad, the winning, and the losing, when we make room for all that God has for us through gratitude, we will truly experience healing in his name. Discontentment often reflects a feeling of dissatisfaction, unhappiness, or frustration with one's current circumstances or situation. This is my cold story. I feel dissatisfied. I'm unhappy. I am frustrated because they keep winning. And there are some of us in this room who resonate in real life with that statement. You're so afraid of the next bad thing that's gonna come that you're still discontent when life is going well. You're winning, you're winning at life and you go tell your best friend you're worried because you're winning. Been there? And you enter this space potentially this morning with some deep discontentment and you actually might be winning in life right now. Or as my wife likes to phrase it, hey, this is a season, we're in a good season right now. Let's be joyous. It's when she tells me, as she tells me every time IU basketball team loses. So that's essentially what she's saying. But some of us in this room, myself included, can come into this space this morning and this describes our lives right now, our outlook, our heart posture, dissatisfied, unhappy, frustrated because of your circumstances. Why is it that it seems that we settle for discontentment so easily? What is your greatest source of discontentment? Maybe you've said something like this recently. If I've only had this in my life, I would feel complete. Or maybe you've said something like this. If only this relationship would be healed, things would be good. If only this. You know, your children are saying, you know, potentially, this Christmas season, if only you would, I get this Christmas gift, it'll be great. We go so much in life and we live a life that's trapped by discontentment by saying phrases like, if only this. The problem with that if only is it ignores all the I haves. And this morning, I pray that the Holy Spirit through Luke chapter 17 reminds us of the I haves, not just the I still need. So open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, starting with verse 11. So power it on, open up your Bibles, whichever you, uh, you wanna do. Verse 17, chapter 11 starts, or, yeah, chapter 17, verse 11, got that backwards, says this. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, Maybe some of you in this room feel this. Have pity on us. Just hear me, Lord. And when he saw them, Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, the 10 with leprosy went, they noticed they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Now, what is a leper? So these 
10 men have leprosy. What is the significance and the implication of having leprosy? So leprosy uh, was really any type of skin disease. And, and you can probably modernize this to today, but it was a skin disease back in the day. They were so afraid that they were super contagious and that you're going to give it to somebody else. And out of that fear, they, it drove uh, not just Jewish, but all of Roman society that they believed you had leprosy. Then you were driven out of your community, away from your family forever into, and I, this is literally what they were called, leprosy camps. And you were excommunicated into uh, self-sufficient camps that you would never see your children again. You would never get to be at their graduation. These 10 men had been living in the worst of scenarios where nobody wanted to talk to them, get close to them. And they couldn't even give their spouse or loved ones a hug. Connection, closeness, and intimacy with them was gone forever. These 10 leopards, in my opinion, had valid reasons to be discontent with life. They had valid reasons, at least from a human perspective, on not making room for all that Jesus had for them. Not making room for the joy of Christ through gratitude. Here's my question for you this morning. How does this relate to your times of isolation and desperation? How might you this morning as you walk into this space and we just got finished with an incredible worship set, how do you now, as you're just hearing these words, how do you relate to these 10 lepers? How might you relate to the lepers in this story when it comes to how you feel your discontent with your life and your life circumstances? And the big question I hope to answer for us this morning, that the Lord is my helper, is to say, how do we become like the one who is grateful? How do we address our ungratefulness as followers of Jesus Christ? For just a second, ponder for a moment with me. How often daily do you tell somebody you're grateful? Genuinely, being genuine, how often do you say thank you to God? Pray with me. Lord, as we go into this passage and dive deep into this passage, I just pray that the story of these, of this, these lepers and, and you coming and healing them would remind us of your promise for us today that when we make room for you, when we come and we cry out and ask for you to have pity on us, that you will not just ignore us. You will literally turn, stop what you're doing, look into our eyes and say, yes, I see you and offer us healing. Lord, I pray that your spirit would come and fall fresh on us and remind us that we need to make room for you this morning in our spaces of discontentment, in our spaces when it's life and our circumstances in life just make it hard to acknowledge how great you are. Lord, I acknowledge that some of us in this room have reasons to feel this way. That feels similar to the lepers. I just pray this morning that they would experience the same greatness, the same miracle that these lepers experience. And it wouldn't happen some distant future that would happen this morning in this room. So Lord, come, have your way. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So what is your modern form of leprosy? We, before we dive in to see what Jesus wants to do with somebody who feels super discontent, what is your source of discontentment? What is it? I've made a list that I think is, of course, not exhaustive, but I have a list. For some of us, it's singleness. We have been praying for a long time that the Lord would bring us a spouse. 
and he hasn't yet. And as a result of that circumstance in your life, it's difficult, understandably so, to come back to Jesus and have a heart of gratitude when you're just, Lord, I need a spouse. For others of us, it's the exact opposite, and it's the state of your marriage. And it's hard to have a, a heart of gratitude right now for the Lord when the state of your marriage is what it is. And you're praying that the Lord would bring a miracle and save it. Or if you're like me in the past, when I've been in a very bad season of my marriage, I might pray the Lord fix my spouse when he was fixing me the entire time. Chew on that for a second. Maybe for you, it's shame of a previous sin or mistake that you've made. And as a result of that, you carry that shame and you just assume the Lord can't love you and others won't uh, forgive you and invite you back. For others of us, it's this weekend as a reminder that our circumstances aren't always great and I have reasons to be discontent. For some of us, we went to Thanksgiving and we, we feel the loss of someone. And as a result of that, it's really, really hard to trust that Jesus does want to show us love and mercy and meet us in that pain. For others of us, and there's a really, really practical one because I think this applies to everybody, just about everybody in the room if you have a smartphone. You escape to your cell phone for hours on end scrolling on social media versus actually having an intimate conversation with your kids or your spouse. My wife and I have found us, ourselves doing this often where we come home and we're just so tired and you, you, know, you just plop on the couch. You're like, long day. And you're just scrolling and we look down and go, we talked about dinner two hours ago. And it's because we're just exhausted with our day. We're exhausted. Life gets exhausting, doesn't it? And it's so easy. Couldn't it be possible that your modern form of leprosy where you are literally pouring yourself away from the community that God has given you, pulling yourself away from the loved ones that God has given you, pulling you away from your family because of your discontentment is, is not some skin disease that they were talking about 2,000 years ago, but it's actually just our, our smartphones. For others of us, it's literally our health. And you've had a disease or some ailment and you've been praying and praying and praying and keep praying. You've been praying that the Lord would heal it. And as a result of that circumstance that's unfair and hurtful, you sit here today and you're like, Pastor Jeremy, this is so hard. For others of us, it's your work. Going into the Christmas season, finance is difficult. And because of that circumstance, the weight of it, the pressure of it, it just draws you to a place of discontentment constantly. I didn't say this before, but uh, in last service, but since this is Black Friday weekend, it's a consumer, like capital holiday of the year is this weekend. I just spent 14 hours shopping with my wife. It was a terrible decision, but that's beside the point. Pray for us. And we go into this season and it's about what we can get out of it and not what the Lord has already blessed us with. And so we're still living in that cycle of discontentment. Can I tell you what my wife and I has been for years? We've been married for 14 and a half years and ours has been childlessness. Some of you understand this. Where you just pray and pray that the Lord will give you and he has it and it's really hard to be grateful in all circumstances. Our story this morning reminds us of the grace and love and the invitation of Jesus when we make room for him. So let's dive back in and let's see what it is that the Lord teaches us about gratitude that can flip all the narratives that I just shared upside down. 
And I pray that this morning he will meet you there. The first one is gratitude. This is important. You know this is true. It's so simple. Gratitude must be expressed, not assumed. In order to become grateful like the one versus the, the nine, gratitude must be expressed, not assumed. In verse 15 of Luke chapter 17, it says this, one of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. One of them. Now, you know gratitude is a common language for everyone. And I know this is true because you can probably quickly think of the person sitting next to you when they weren't grateful. Don't look at them. Don't do that. Because this isn't about the person sitting next to you. This is about you not being grateful. I understand it. You have, I just listed all the reasons that we have. We, we all have good excuses for not being grateful this season or today or struggling today. But you know that gratitude is a thing that must be expressed because you know it's not been expressed to you. You know it. You know it because when they, it, it, it does come, it's like, oh, wow. But when it doesn't come, you feel unseen, unheard, uncared for, unloved. All those expressions, all those attitudes and emotions come from what? Someone not showing they're grateful for you. So if you're in one of those lists and you say singleness, you say mental health, you say shame for a previous mistake, you say state of your marriage, husbands, wives, start here. If you want your marriage to change, I learned this a year and a half ago when my wife and I didn't know what the next day meant. And all, my mother, mothers are always right, by the way, hasn't stopped. And she said, well, what if you just made a list of all the reasons why you're grateful for your wife in this moment of pain? I thought that was the worst advice ever because I did not want to do it. I could tell you all the reasons why I was angry. And then I started to make a list. And she said, every day I want you to share one. I'm like, this seems so disingenuous. But I started sharing what was honest. And miraculously, within a month, my wife felt very different about me than the month before. Because gratitude, when expressed, shares a gift. Gratitude that's assumed keeps the gift. Gratitude must be expressed. So here's the thing about this. I, I, I want to dive into this for a quick second. There's a difference between the nine and the one. And it's easy to say it's that one was grateful and the other nine weren't, right? Isn't that, if you read it, it just kind of seems that. I don't know about you, but if I'm walking and I've been exiled from my family for years and I thought I would never see them again, and I'm walking to the priest, which by the way, they were required to do to go back to society. So Jesus was making them do what they had to do. As they're going to the priest and they find that they're healed and you realize that you're healed, what are you doing? I mean, if it's me, I, I, we're getting big chest bumps. We're getting big high fives. We're weeping in excitement. I'm grateful to no end, right? The issue wasn't that they weren't grateful. We have no reason to assume they weren't grateful. What we do know is they didn't express it. And they never came back to Jesus. And the reason why I believe that's the case is because they forgot the giver. They only remembered the gift. So number two about gratitude is that gratitude and contentment are the feelings we have for the giver, not the gift. Gratitude and contentment are the feelings we have for the giver, not the gift. Luke chapter 17, verse 19 says this. Then Jesus said to the man who came back, to the one, right? So the difference between the nine and the one. Rise and go. Your faith 
has made you well. See, previously, in the previous two verses, we saw that they noticed that they were healed. And then Jesus adds this special clarifier that happens for the one person who comes back to him and acknowledges that Jesus is Lord. He made them well. What in the world does that mean? It means that it is an acknowledgement but that our healing is a gift, but it's an unmerited one. Back to my story with my spouse, I had... I could have given you a list of reasons why I thought it was fair not to give reasons why I was grateful. But my gift to her that brought us closer together was an unmerited one. That's what made it beautiful. But rather, it's a, willing, it's a will to us by a loving God who sees us at our problems. And when, when we make room for him, so whether it's your finances, whether it's your marriage, whether it's your workplace, whether it's your health, whether it's singleness, whatever it may be, we should acknowledge this morning that God is truly faithful and he is the only, this is huge, true source of wellness. The grateful one's faith made him well. What is the opposite of this? To try to figure out what the heck Jesus is talking about. What is the opposite? Ingratitude is the result of us first seeing how our blessing serves us. The reason why I think we're not grateful is because we see how it serves us. What did the nine do that the one didn't do? The nine, understandably so, all of us would probably want to do the same thing. They, 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 well, I imagine, the scripture doesn't tell us, but I imagine they ran to their families and they found their kids and they gave them a hug and a kiss for the first time. A glorious moment. Jesus is not condoning that. Like, you sh- that, that's the gift, right? But Jesus is acknowledging something else, that when we don't acknowledge him as the giver, we will take advantage of the gift and lose the real blessing, which was him in the first place. But let's be honest, just acknowledging that he's the giver and that's what matters most, not the gift. Acknowledging that we need to start sharing our gratitude more, which you totally do. We know that's not enough. Because I just listed a little bit ago all these reasons why it's hard for us to do those two things. Jesus teaches us something else here that I think is a golden nugget for us today. And that is that gratitude makes room for us to enjoy God's blessing in our lives, no matter our circumstances. So what's your circumstance? What's your modern form of leprosy this morning? I want you to think about it right now. What is it? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 18, the apostle Paul says these in crazy words. So as I get ready to read these, these are like ridiculous. He says this, it seems impossible to me. Rejoice always. Pray continually, as in have faith that he's gonna supply. And then he says this, give thanks in some circumstances, give thanks in the circumstances where life is going well, Good, give thanks when I got tons of blessings. Oh, no, no, no. He says in all circumstance. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. What is God calling us to make room for? This. Rejoice when the circumstances are good. Rejoice when the circumstances aren't going the way we go we want them to go because of Jesus. Pray when it's going good and when it's going bad. Pray when it's going good. Did you catch that? 
and when it's going bad. I don't know about you guys, but 99% of my prayers are usually in the bad category. We need to start praying more when it's going good. And then in all circumstances, what's your circumstance right now? Give thanks. Be grateful. For this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Let me, if you want, I'm going to share with you a pretty intimate story of my own life where I learned how to be grateful when it literally seemed impossible. On November 4th, 2021, me and my family found ourselves in the ICU um, family gathering space um, at St. Vincent Hospital in Kokomo. It was the day that nobody wants. In 30 minutes, we were about, it was about three o'clock in the afternoon. We're sitting around this table and cram a whole bunch of chairs around this tiny table, just crying together. And, and mom had made a decision that we were going to take dad off the ventilator. And I remember just sitting there. Like in those kinds of spaces, some of you, like grief isn't yours, but you know how deep your pain is. Your modern form of leprosy. Like in that moment, the last thing I wanted to hear was gratitude. Don't you agree? And I remember I'm sitting in this room and all my family slips out and I got like just a, a moment by myself. And this is how the moment by myself went. I start praying. And what do you think I'm saying? Lord, why? This is unfair. My dad was great. He was amazing. He led so many people to the Lord. Like, why are you taking him? I was angry. So I'm not a pastor coming to you and saying being grateful because everything is easy. I know how hard life gets. When I was sitting in that room all by myself, which felt like eternity for about 10 minutes, I was freaking out angry with God. Gratitude? Really? See, the reason why I bring this up is because some of us in this room have that heart posture and I get it. But I can tell you in that moment, it was the heart posture that took me away from Jesus. It took me away from my loved ones. It took me away from the moment with my dad in the next few minutes. And I remember when I finally like faked the fact that I had myself put together. And I walk out of the room and I, and I take a left and I go down this long hallway. My dad happened to be at the very end of the hallway. And we walk into that room and I remember my mom is saying these incredible words to me. It completely transformed the way I see it. She comes and she says, Jeremy. Oh, she didn't say Jeremy. She actually just said, boys, for me and my brother. She goes, boys, let's give your dad Jesus. And I remember sitting there going, What? She goes, let's, let's not hold on to him longer and make him in more misery when we know he's not going to make it. Let's just give your dad Jesus. I walk out of a room angry with God, and I find my mother, who had far more reasons to be angry with God than me. And her heart posture of gratitude that moment, she's a saint. I don't know where it came from, other than Jesus itself. It's the only thing that makes sense. And she goes, let's give your dad Jesus. Jesus. 
Can I say the same thing to you? Come meet Jesus this morning. In your moment of ingratitude, your reasons why you're, your circumstance, it's so unfair. Come find Jesus this morning. So we sing, I have to admit, we, our family tradition is that if we have the opportunity to sing as they die, we sing over them. And like my dad's favorite song was an old hymn called How Great the Art. And I remember we take him off the vent and we're singing. I'm still not resonating with my mother. I'm still so angry. He passes away without taking a breath once the ventilator went off. And I go home and my mom says, Jeremy, would you please officiate your dad's funeral? which on one hand is the greatest honor of my life. On the other hand, it was the exact opposite of what I wanted to do. I'm like, how do I come and present love and excitement and this is, a good, this is a, somehow a good day when I'm hurting at my worst? And then one of my dad's best friends from childhood, who I had never met, never knew, sends me this private message. It says, Jeremy, I want to tell you something that your dad told me years ago when my dad died. And he goes, Jeremy... You know that you're experiencing the healing of Jesus? Don't miss this. It was so profound in my life. He goes, you know you're experiencing the healing of Jesus when gratitude outpaces your pain. Some of us in this room need to capture this. You know you are experiencing, you are making room. You know you are making room for all that Jesus has for you when gratitude outpaces your pain. See, I'm not... Eliminating the pain. Pain doesn't just go away because I'm grateful. I'm grateful in all circumstances. I rejoice in the Lord for what I had. And of course, this Thanksgiving, it was hard. Year two without him. I've had some of the biggest moments in my life since he's died. I can't tell him I hate it. And some of you guys, you come into this space with me I think us together, we come into this space and we're so struggling to just trust that Jesus is going to meet us in our pain. That man who sent me that message transformed my next three days. I went from angry. I've never been more angry with God than that day. When he passed away, and then four days later, I'm officiating his funeral, and I did something. I mean, I've done tons of funerals, and I did something I'd never done before and haven't done since. I said, hey, I'm just going to do something different. I'm his son. I'm going to read my love letter to him. Because of that one man's comment, and my mother reminded me that we should rejoice in all seasons and give him Jesus, that anger that I had because people drew me back into the presence of Jesus and my pain, in my worst circumstance, I was able four days later to read a love letter of every reason I was grateful for him. And for every reason, I'm gonna miss him. See, I know not everybody in this room is resonating with my, my circumstance of grief, but you have a circumstance like the lepers that has drawn you far away and what you're doing because it makes sense. It's culturally in the norm. You do the exact same thing the lepers do and what you do. You're standing at a distance and you're crying out to him and you hope that he'll listen, but you're not getting close to him. You're staying at a distance because that's the normal thing to do. Can I encourage you to do what my mother encouraged me to do? Let's just brawl into the presence of Jesus together. We... Some of us have major financial needs and we need more. Yes, but we need more of Jesus. Some of us have hurting marriages and we just pray our spouses would change. We need more of Jesus.
Some of us, all of us, need more of Jesus. So the invitation I have for you this morning is to make room for more of God's kingdom blessings in your life through gratitude. And here are just three really simple takeaways that I encourage you to do today before you leave this room. One is recognize that Jesus is the gift you're praying for. Jesus is the gift. Not the blessing you wish you had received. Jesus is the gift, not the blessing you have received or wish to receive. Be rejoice, pray, and give thanks while you wait. Number two, right now, you think about who is the person you should share gratitude with today. Write it down. Pull out your phone, pull out a note. Heck, you can text them right now. You're not going to offend me. Who is it that you need to share that gratitude with? Don't assume they know that you're grateful. You can heal some incredible relationships by just showing gratitude for what you have versus wishing that something else was different. The change comes through the gratitude. And number three, praise God in every season and circumstance. If you resonate with me at all and what I was just sharing, I encourage you this morning through this next song, it's called Gratitude. To just voice out to God all the reason you're grateful for him and pray that he would continue to heal you when you don't have what you are wishing for. Gratitude is the gift of the giver and you can be the giver for someone else this morning. And Jesus wants to be that for you. Lord, I pray this morning that your spirit would come into this place. Heal hearts who have been staying at a distance. Listen to those, Lord, who say, Lord, have mercy on me. Please just take pity on my pain. You see the pain I have. God, take it. Lord, for those of us who have carried shame for a sin for so long and we don't know how to draw close to you, God, I pray that your spirit would come and fall on them and give them goosebumps and they would know at this exact moment that it's okay to come to Jesus and admit their pain and they're going to receive the love of their creator. For those of us, Lord, where our circumstances make it almost impossible in our human nature, removed from you to show love and grace, I pray right now that they could just experience the love of their Father. Lord, in the stories we read, there was a before, a during, and an after form of the lepers. And I pray that each of us this morning take an action step to be the one who comes back and finds the grace of Jesus through our gratitude. Lord, we have so much to be grateful for. We still have so much more that we have pain and prayed for God. Meet us in the middle and that tension. Would have your way this morning. It's in your name we pray. Amen.